What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Organized Banter. I am uh, I am your co-host, Luke Womble, and I'm sitting here with your other co-host, Mr. Wrigley Field. Wrigley, how you doing, What's bud? What's up, everybody? It's me, Wrigley Field. Good day? Yeah. So far? So far. So far, so good? A little cold outside? Yeah, a little bit. No. Like, what, 39? 40? Hold on, let me tell you. Yeah. 38. 38. And that's your uh, that's your news update. That's your weather update. Yeah, that's your weather update for today. Um, we want to we, we want to introduce a very special guest, someone who uh, we're very excited to be on the show. Has a, a lot of knowledge in a lot of areas. Um, none other than my brother, Brett Womble. Brett, how you doing, man? Good. I'm good. I had a bunch of coffee this morning, so I'm a little amped up. So. Yeah, a little jittery. A little jittery. Nice, so. nice. Well, hey, uh, it's 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 something that it's it's probably best that you are jittery. You know, we'd probably rather you be jittery than just really, you know, dead, yeah. monotone. I know? would say that this is the best Brett. Is jittery Brett? Jittery Brett. Coffee yeah. Brett. Coffee Brett. Yeah. Well, we'll take that. We'll we'll take it, man. Tweaking Brett. Tweaking Brett. Well, hey. We'll take it any way we can, right? I have some important news before we start. Let's hear it. And I think you'll appreciate this too, Brett, because I think you know Will, right? Will Smith? Yes. Will, William Dalton Smith, has finally seen Batman Begins. Finally, huh? He was, he was actually telling me about that. He said that he just was not interested. Yeah, he hated it. <laughs> yeah. He's, Don't know how. He still he hated it after he saw it? Yeah, I... He's not. He's not a big. Um, oh, I don't know Will Smith anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, you know, right? Yeah, you don't. Yeah, look, unpopular opinion, maybe. I think Batman Begins is almost on the same level as Dark Knight. Oh, I think Dark Knight is a better movie, but I think Batman Begins is almost. Oh, it's such a good Batman movie. That's a bold statement. I think I, I have a lot of fun with any uh, reimagining, any original of a new reboot of batman just because of that excitement of you have a clean slate mm -hmm. uh dark knight there was obviously that with joker because you had this iconic villain that in the second movie he's going to get the flesh out and and he didn't tease it enough for you to know what that was but mm -hmm. building the world in the first one nobody knew Ra's al ghul i mean the characters he introduced the greater mainstream to bane Ra's al ghul uh scarecrow uh uh people know who carmine falcone is now yeah um, there's a lot of really cool uh, Nolan just did a lot of really cool things with that I will say that and this is true for Dark Knight well, this is true for all three of them Dark Knight Rises I could, there's a lot of examples uh, the choreography that we're moving into post basically Captain America Winter Soldier and John Wick mm -hmm. is taking things to a new level to where those movies do look dated now because I mean you look you watch that new trailer for the new Batman in the last 10 seconds when he beats the Snot yeah. out of that dude. There's no choreography in those first three movies that are as good as that moment. No. I mean, the acting, the gravitas. I mean, those movies are like the Godfather movies. I mean, I think for our generation or y'all's generation, my generation, it's it's kind of like the Godfather. But I and I think they'll age well just because the acting's so legit. Mm -hmm. But I do think some of the action set pieces, especially Batman Begins, but in Dark Knight Rises, there's just people that fall down in the background and aren't even touched. Yeah. <laughs> and to go from that to where you have this this painting that uh john wick's doing where it's it's a work of art how choreographed it, it is i think i don't know I, I just think those movies will age well but that'll be the thing that a guy wanting to get invested 
in it now. I mean, it's kind of like watching the original Star Wars now. It's like, this blew your mind back in the day, but now you kind of have to, like, just get past the parts of it, you know, the lightsaber, especially, like, if you're the Duel of Fates fight in the first Star Wars. Like, those are the originals. The, the saber fights are never as good because of that. Yeah. I just think that, like, it, it, you know, Batman Begins was the first one, and we had X-Men and Spider-Man at this point, but, like, Batman Begins was the first one, 2005, to where you could you could show like, hey, you can make a like a gritty you know movie in this with this source material that's you know not silly and com and super comic booky and still have a guy named Batman you know dress up like a bat and take criminals out and have Scarecrow and uh, and all the and it showed like this is so, this is not just stuff for comic book nerds anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's some stuff that comic book nerds can geek out over, but it's also something for the normal moviegoer who loves cinematography. No, absolutely. And I, I think they do a great job at it being at the crux of both of that there are. So uh, I don't know how well I, I rant about this. So the new movie, I think they're going to do the Court of Owls storyline. Mm-hmm. That's something as a nerd I am pumped about. Yeah. But like all of these things, even the movie The Dark Knight, you know, like no, when that movie came out, people were like, they didn't know that that was a a moniker for Batman. Yeah. So these things that are deep cuts that become mainstream because you have these quality filmmakers tackling it. I think that's happened multiple times. I think people said that about the 1989 Batman when, when uh, Michael Keaton was cast and it, all he had done was, uh, oh, the mom movie. Oh, uh, I can't remember the name of it. He was in some comedy before that. People were livid that he was getting cast. And then that movie was too dark, I mean, to begin with. So I think, yeah, I think that you have these... You have these major corporations that own this intellectual property for 80 years, and it's a battle for each filmmaker to make them re-respect it and say, you can go further. You can go further into the psychology of this. You can go further into the darkness of this. And uh, I think we're going to see that again, uh, which kind of says something about maybe the development of culture of that, like, it seems that we want it darker every time. And this new one looks even darker than the last one. So, um I don't know what that says about us as a society or our I, our ability to want it to go deeper and darker. But, I think uh, that just may be a Batman thing. Because I don't think anybody wants like an Adam West Batman anymore. You know what I mean? Just a silly yeah. bat shark repellent. You know? Yeah. It, when there's been times where, you know, like Superman, some people would say that in the, I would say this, in the, uh, the Batman v Superman and the, the Snyderverse, that a lot of what made his mythology what it was they deconstructed it and put it back together wrong and so you get this you get this um warped version of what the character's supposed to be and it does it's going to evolve every generation every 10 years every decade there's going to be new struggles that society faces and psychologically they want to see that character face those problems and i think that becomes more complicated the smaller the world gets because um, it can't just go like in Superman four throw all the nukes into the sun anymore. Like yeah. a, a lot of these things don't. I mean, you're, you're seeing secret identities die off in the comic books. They basically given them up because in today's culture, it's very unlikely that a set of glasses is really going to do that much for you. Yeah. Um, Brett, you've so you've actually had a a pretty cool documentary. It's out right now um, called Unlocked, and uh, you co-produced it um kind of tell us about all of that 
Yeah, so there's a guy in Level Land named uh, Jeremy Sneed who I, I got connected with. He would sold a TV series to, uh, or was it, it was a documentary called, uh, um, what is it, Video Games the Movie. Mm. And he had sold that directly to Netflix and had a premiere here in Lubbock. So uh, I reached out to him and we ended up doing a TV series together um, and sold it for a, a window to a Discovery Channel. Uh, they only broadcast it in Asia, but uh, we still got a little bit of publicity there. Um, we have some c- celebrities in it: William Shatner, uh, Kevin Smith, uh, Michael Rooker, who plays Yondu, uh, Tom Arnold, Sean Astin, who plays Rudy, and uh, Sam in mm-hmm. uh, Lord of the Rings. And uh, they basically just go from uh, various parts of the video game world so we'll say uh, one will do an esports uh we sent michael rooker to a motion capture uh studio we sent sean astin to a video game school where they're actually developing new video games off the unreal engine mm-hmm. and you basically learn about the industry with the celebrity host and there's usually three celebrity hosts per episode we did eight episodes and uh yeah so we we did that we completed that in 2016 it's funny uh since then Jeremy has made another. We've we haven't really split. We we still collaborate, but uh, I, I've been working on some screenplays, and Jeremy Jeremy did another documentary series, a six part series on Nintendo, and he just sold that to Crackle. Hmm. So, and they're actually interested in coming back to Unlocked. Um, I don't know. It's the interesting thing with uh, a docu series like that is that the. <clears throat> So let's say, so in our documentary series, one of the things that we really hit on was the year that Madden had the uh, same score as, simmed version as the actual Super Bowl, which the Seahawks and the Patriots. Mm -hmm. This is when uh, Russell Wilson throws the pick at the end and the Patriots win. Gilmore, I think, caught that. Yeah. But basically what happens is is that all of that uh, information becomes dated very quickly, especially to the gaming community, because people can tell when they're looking at Madden 18. And so for us, doing something that was documentary on the bleeding edge, and now that being three to four years old, uh, it, it it was something that we've learned a lot about, uh, you know, marketing, producing, uh, but that was probably one of the things that I worry most is that although... Uh, any type of media project can always have a return. Great example is Driving Miss Daisy. Mm-hmm. 30 years ago, those guys may have thought, oh, this will never make us another dime. Then the pandemic hits, it may have made a million dollars over the pandemic. So yeah. these these media projects literally are infinite as far as you don't know. If you have it on iTunes, you know, Unlock still gets bought today by people. Yeah. Uh, so, but that's one of the things that we've learned is that the a, a docu series you have to get out quick because it becomes dated real quick and as opposed to the series we did on to, and then him moving the, the, the Nintendo series he retained a lot of his uh, value in that project because of the fact that it doesn't age because it's an origin story mm-hmm. and so that information doesn't ever become dated because it's in the past as yeah. opposed to us hitting it on the other end which uh uh, it's probably right. One of the reasons we didn't do an unlocked season two, um, but we, uh, we we still collaborate. I want to get into features. Uh, I'm so he and I are both actually working on different screenplays right now, and basically, it's all about story at that point. So, mm-hmm. not really competing against each other. We're just trying to find something that's worth putting our teeth into and financing. So, we'll see over the next two or three years if we can get something that's at that level. Well, you. Uh... 
I mean, for Unlocked, you did a panel at Comic Con, right? Yeah, we did a we did a panel. Uh, we did it with Rooker and a girl named Allison Hayslip, who's not she's a she's big in the gaming community. She used to work on at E3, uh, and uh, that was really fun. Uh, that was basically, I mean, a lot of people were just really interested how from Lubbock, Texas, we were able to build um, such a relationship with the celebrity talents. Mm-hmm. And I think that that probably is why they wanted me up there. And um, that's probably the thing we've been the best success with. A lot of the relationships we've built, we've maintained. The ones that we haven't are the guys that I don't want to deal with anyways. Yeah. And so, uh, um, so a lot of that talent... I mean, like a lot of this, you see this in films where you have a filmmaker and he uses the same guy in every movie. You end up building trust with people and they build trust with you, and that's half the battle. Right. Um, so I, I think there was a lot of interest in, uh, they had us up there and basically, you know, how did you do this? And ha- and especially how did you do this not being on the West Coast? Yeah. How, uh, was it really nerve-wracking get up, getting up on that panel? It was, but when you're with... Rooker, he grabs so much of the attention, it's mm-hmm. kind of a relief. Nobody knows who I am. I mean, yeah. when they started q and I had some value uh, that I think people kind of clung on to, but you basically just let Rooker do his thing, and uh, if you get asked a question, you get asked a question. But yeah. you San, know, Di- San Diego Comic-Con? Yeah. Okay. You know so many people are focused on him that kind of yeah you can kind of just chill take the attention off yeah t- off you yeah yeah i uh i don't know how nervous I, I would be for that i feel like i'd be fairly nervous even if i had a you know a-list celebrity i feel like i'd still be kind of nervous i feel like if i knew my stuff you know like you did i feel like i'd do okay but i'd still be nervous i wouldn't be like i don't want to go nervous but yeah it'd be cool though i it mean would it's, be cool. it's something that uh that's pretty cool you can say you did yeah i i enjoyed it I, i'm kind of uh hit or miss on public speaking the, there's stuff like that that i seem to be able to breeze through yeah uh there are times especially like the athletic sense like mm-hmm. chris beard anytime there chris beard made us do this mock he was screwing with us one day and he made us do this mock uh press conference and you go up there and he asks you questions is that team camp or whatever yeah, yeah. and he uh like my face went half numb. Like I, I, I so like not not that I don't get him, but like my my anxiety of uh, of uh, alpha males <laughs> in the sports world uh, is something that I have a hard time uh, connecting with, or or I guess an anxiety that they're gonna have a hard time connecting with me because um, I talk comic books and and philosophy. Yeah, but uh, so uh, there, it's just. I don't know. It's got to be the right circumstance. I, I don't. It's also got to be the right topic. If there's certain stuff that um, I don't feel adequate, you know, if, if I'm not an expert at it, I, I I would prefer to not speak on it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I. Uh, yeah. It's it, it's it's something that I mean, Coach Beard though is just some like someone that no matter what he asks you or says to you, you're just gonna be kind of like. Uh, I don't know what the correct response yes. right now is, uh, but I'm just going to throw it out there and hopefully you like it. <laughs> That's literally like what it is. Like, I'm just going to see, uh, I have no idea what to say to you, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you like what I'm about to say. Yes. And he, he'll very, he'll make it very clear if he doesn't, he'll be, he'll just kind of, you know, just keep walking or just kind of turn his head. Like, oh, I'm done listening to you. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally how he is. I'm just kind of like, Oh, it is what it is. Straightforward. You know? Yeah. Literally straight up. Um, so yesterday, 
I uh, I posted on my personal Instagram. Uh, I I asked people. I said, "Hey, look, y'all can uh, if y'all want to, y'all can send me the worst first date you've ever been on." And um, I had I had a few responses. They all they all stay anonymous, but you know we were talking about being nervous and everything. So I'm gonna start with that one. This one was pretty rough. Um, this girl, we'll call her Stacy. Uh, she said, this is her first date with this guy. She said, um, left the coffee shop 20 minutes in to go throw up. Hmm. So she, uh, yeah. From you know, nerves or from? Yeah, because he was so nervous. Corona? Yeah, yeah, Rona, you know, yeah. So she was so nervous, or he was so nervous that walked in, sat down for probably 20 oh, minutes. Oh, the guy left. The guy left, yeah. Oh, not her. No, yeah, the guy got up and was like, I, like, I have to leave. Like, I have to go throw up. Wow. Yeah. So uh that's pretty rough. I don't I don't I don't if I had to go throw up, I don't know what I would do. But probably didn't last that relationship. I don't yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't think so. But uh Bro, I'll see if you can guess this one. You know her. I'm probably not going to guess this. <laughs> um so she said uh this girl said this one chick she said he talked the entire time never got a word in uh turn okay it turns out i would marry him uh after i was silent through dinner he took took me rabbit hunting uh from his truck driving at unlawful speeds it was horrifying and very unsafe again i eventually married the redneck and now we're responsible for raising three sons yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure I know who that one is. Yeah, <laughs> that uh, that one cracks me up though. She said, uh, eventually I ended up marrying the redneck. That's hilarious. <laughs> I have a good one that goes that piggybacks off of that because I also did this on my Instagram. Okay, I'm gonna say one. Until you said hunting, I thought it was gonna be my wife, but no, uh, your wife did just say all she said was Brett. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Worst first date, oh, yeah. Brett. Brett. <laughs> all right, mine says. Uh, we were 16. We went to Pizza Hut. He brought his best friend and no money to pay. It was also our last date because I ended up dating the best friend. Oh, man. <laughs> dated the best friend? Oh, man. That's, uh, I don't know what I would do. I, I feel like I'd be really, really upset. Be like, wow, this totally just backfired on well, me. Well, that's kind of what you get for taking her to Pizza Hut and not paying. That is true. That is very true. To piggyback off that one. This uh, this one person said uh, he was an hour and 17 minutes late. Uh, wow. Yeah, took her to a really bad dinner. Um, and then his card was declined, so she had to pay for it all. Wow. Was never reimbursed. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it could, it could be. I guess some situations could always be worse. <laughs> I, uh... I don't know what I would do if, if my card got declined and uh, she ended up paying. I'd probably be like, oh, wow, like that. Because I can't take her anywhere else to pay for yeah. anything because my card just got declined. So I came by, oh, here, let me treat you to some ice cream. I would just be like, oh, let me just give you a really big hug. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. That may be it. why she never got paid back because at that point you're just cutting your losses. You're yeah. Like, There's no way this is going to work. Yeah. So yeah. You just kind of like. Might as well save the dinner money. Yeah. Let's just agree to end this, you know. Um. I have one here that said, uh, went on the first date, now I have a kid. Uh-oh. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> that, that one kind of went south. Uh, bummer. Stork just showed up. 
yeah, out of nowhere. Just, yeah, just on the front porch. Um, this guy said, uh, take a girl to a haunted house, and she peed her pants. Wow. And I, uh, I thought he was kidding, and uh, he said no. He said it was an actual, actually happened. He said, needless to say, it did not work out. So, um, I don't know what I would do if I took a girl to a haunted house and she just peed her pants. I mean, I feel like... How do you bring that up? At that point, it's like, you gotta help her out, because that's embarrassing. How do you bring that up, though? Like, as a girl... Like, how does the girl bring it up? Yeah, like, hey, uh... I just, I just yeah. peed my pants. <laughs> just kind of like, oh. <laughs> like, we should probably leave then. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we should be here anymore. Um, this one, this okay. So another person said, uh, went to Six Flags during Fright Fest, and her date took her into a haunted house. Um, she, so this was all his idea, by the way. Mm-hmm. She's deathly afraid of stuff like that, right? Um, did he know that? I don't know. I mean, it's the first date. Yeah. Uh, she said he's he's six six, big dude. Um, she said that he stood behind her the whole time, terrified. No way. Yeah. She he she said that he made her lead the entire way because he was too scared. I feel um, like that's kind of funny though. I mean, I <laughs> that's really embarrassing. I, I I don't know if that's funny. That's just really embarrassing. Like this six six broad dude is just hiding behind this girl, terrified, and it was his idea. Like he probably went in and was like, "Wow, I, I I bit off more than I could chew. I did. I thought I could handle this, but I can't." Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually terrified. <laughs> and then he peed his pants. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were saying they saw another couple arguing <laughs> on a first day. She and she peed her pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, this one girl said. Uh, so they went and got Cece's pizza, and then he dropped her off an hour later. So the whole date lasted an hour. Went and got some CeCe's pizza and then dipped. CeCe's strike one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. CeCe's is strike one. And I, then and then you're just kind of like, okay, I had fun. See ya. Like, get out of my car. Yeah, it's not a lot of effort. Yeah. You're not really trying to lock that one in if you're taking her to get pizza. Five ninety nine buffet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. This one, uh, this one's... This one's funny. Uh, I I think you could take two sides of this. We'll see. He said, uh, this is what he said to me. He said, I hit this girl up on Snapchat who I thought I was following on Instagram, but it turned out there were two completely different people. <laughs> so he hits this girl up thinking it's another girl, but it's not at all. Just completely different girl. Um, the girl I met up with uh, was... Not very good looking. That's what he said. And he said, Ooh. the girl I met up was not very good looking. He said, I was expecting her to be very, very cute, very attractive. And that, no, that was not the case. So they started talking. Which that doesn't matter in real life, guys. Yeah. We look at the heart. Yeah. Um. Right, Riggs? I yeah. Th- I think we do. Uh, We should. Not all the time. Anyways. um, So they started talking. She had social anxiety. And would look at every single person who walked by him. Like, I guess anyone who would walk by him, she would just, like, glare at him. I don't know. Um, he said that they barely made eye, eye contact for two hours. Ugh. And she had a sugar daddy who was who she was supposedly uh, giving emotional support to. Wow. <laughs> and on top of all that, she was a political science major, 
with a very different political opinion as him. And they discussed that in-depthly for two hours. That um, sounds like a living nightmare. Yeah. And so, yeah, so this girl's just, I'm sure she was talking his ear off, like, you know, saying, you know. I don't hey. even like talking politics with Seth. Yeah. Much less someone I don't want to be on a date with for two hours. Yeah, if I'm talking two hours, it's somebody I'm enjoying talking to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. And so he said that he went to go drop her off. And uh, he was like, so, I, oh, wait. Um, he said, yeah. So he says, uh, so do I get a kiss at the end of this or what? She w- wiggled her finger, no. And he said, you kidding me? <laughs> he, he, he said, he said, you kidding me? That's all I get? <laughs> He he said that uh, He said he said that Because she made him sit down Listen to all of that And didn't get a kiss out of it all So uh, He said he dropped her Said he never talked to her again I feel like that one for me Was the worst one Really? Yes I would rather have a bad first date Where my My Date Pees her pants at a Haunted house than that Alright so here's one Here's another one This one is pretty bad um, so we went on, we went on to an ice cream place. Um, we bo- uh, they both ordered scoops of ice cream. He got his really weird. Like uh, she said that he got like pistachio and rainbow, just together. Pistachio and rainbow ice cream, flavored ice cream. Okay. Um, so I feel like those are two red flags right there. Just that kind of ice cream, pistachio and rainbow mixed. I feel like that's a red flag. For me, it would be. If a girl got pistachio and, and strawberry ice cream, I'd probably be like, what is wrong with you? I, I, I definitely wouldn't be like, we shouldn't be on this date. I would. But I would be like, I'd be like hey, that's a weird ice cream combination you got there. Um. So they start. Okay, so she starts eating the ice cream as soon as they sit down. But the guy tells her that he wants to wait until it melts. What? And she just she thought he was kidding. But no, he was he was dead serious. Um, so, you know, they, they get to talking, she's eating ice cream, he's not eating anything, and finally he looks up at her and says, oh, like, it's melted, I can eat it now. So, continues to eat his ice cream like soup, just absolutely just all melted ice cream, and basically just drinking it like soup. (laughs) And, uh, then they, they left the date, and she, she didn't talk to him again. Who said that? That, that one can't remain anonymous. I want to know who this guy is. (laughs) You can't name drop on here. Man. Come on now. It's whack. <laughs> it is whack. <laughs> but uh yeah. Wrigley, do you have any bad uh, first first date stories? I don't actually. Uh I'm a single man, have been for quite a while. Well, I mean you can still be single and have a bad first date story. Uh okay, That's... let me let me reiterate then. <laughs> I'm a single man, have been for a while. Haven't been on any dates uh, in, in a while. So uh It's all good. It's all good, no worries. Brett, you have any first first yeah, the, date stories that are bad. I don't have a lot of bad ones. In some ways, it may be like Wrigley. It, it was, uh, you know, usually if I was going on a date with somebody, there was either already a connection or they weren't going on the date. So, yeah. Yeah. so it seems I either I got on either side of the fence there, but never really seemed to have one. But one that did go bad uh, was uh, one I got set up on, uh, and that girl and I were just on two different wavelengths. And not bad. The, the the date wasn't bad, but she was looking to have some babies, and uh, I w- didn't need that in my life. 
She was. You, looking, don't, you don't want kids? Yeah, she. I think she's. I mean, man, this is like four years ago. I think she's already got like two or three kids. So she was ready to start wow. pumping them out. But uh, so she and I go to dinner, and because of this, oh, I have so many rants on this. You got to understand that like humans are the only species that does the type of selective breeding that we do. So I, like if you look at apes, which we're closely related to, um, the the women. The females will will uh, procreate with any of the apes, and so what you have is the males beat all the small males away. They're like, mine. Mm -hmm. They create a little horde for themselves. Um, humans are this other deal where where it's it's a it's a selective breeding process where the f human females actually get to decide selectively who they want to be with, and yeah. so a first date is a microcosm of that whole experience mm -hmm. of. How's this gonna work out for me? Are you gonna impress me? And uh, I just, uh, I couldn't, st I can't stand any of those. Like I'd much rather be in just reality of this is who I am, this is what I do. Yeah. If you enjoy it, then come along, and if not. So anyways, I go on this dinner date and I'm trying to follow all the rules of a first date. And unfortunately this day got set up on the premiere of Man of Steel. And uh, I, I even, I think where I really shot myself in the foot is I told her at the beginning I was making a huge sacrifice for her because <laughs> we weren't going to see it. And then uh, we got done with dinner, and I have no idea what we are going to do, but I just turned to her and said, I have to see this movie. And we went straight to the theater and <laughs> saw it. And then With uh, her? Yeah, she watched it with me, but we never went on a date, really talked again after that. So for her, uh, it was probably... I probably had some cardinal sin there that I did, but I, I don't really care. <laughs> like, I'm not, like, I don't, like, the whole thing is a crapshoot to begin with. It's so hilarious. Just do what you want and find a girl that's okay with it and oh man, quit peacocking. Um, How was your mood after the movie? Uh, uh, I, I, there was a lot to process, but I was, I was a lot more, I was thinking a lot more about the movie after the movie than the date. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so, uh, but I can go into a whole diatribe of, of uh, killing General Snot, General Zod. <laughs> um, but at the time, I was elated just because up until that point, I hadn't seen that quality of special effects on that character. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, man. Um, so this, this other uh, anonymous person said that uh, he was dropping a girl off, and uh, they were sitting in his truck. Uh, she was about to leave, but they had to wait for a little bit because there was a homeless woman taking a dump on the front tire of his car. Wow. <laughs> so while while he's saying goodbye to this girl and everything, it's uh, there's just you know a train wreck going on outside. You know, just this girl taking a dump on his on his uh, you know front tire, and so he and the girl just sitting in the car waiting for this homeless woman to be done and get back in her sleeping bag and carry on with the night <laughs> um he also this one person had a lot of really bad first dates he said there was another chick that legitimately asked him if he had uh, names picked out for his kids one of the first questions she ever asked him was baby you, names yeah do you have your kids names figured out and i'm assuming he said no um and then he said there was another girl that uh that brought uh, her mom on the date. Um, interesting. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's uh, that's ex almost like junior high stuff. Bringing them. There may be some LCU students here that have to do that. There, there may be. Honestly, there very well could be. 
<laughs> Honestly, that, now that you say that, I uh, I could see that being a thing. Why? <laughs> hey, I don't know. Why would a mother do that? You got to micromanage something, man. Yeah, emotional support, dude. I don't know. Ask them that. I think it's I think it's still funny though that this huge six six dude was hiding behind the girl on the that 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 cracks me up because I'm just picturing like this big like football broad you know muscular yeah. dude. Turns out he has a super high pitched voice. And then turns out he just has to hide behind this uh, this chick walking through a haunted house. Maybe he's just trying to show her his vulnerable side. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he's like trying to be emotionally supportive and being like, "Hey, look, like I'm emotional, and I'll show you by going into this haunted house." The very and first squealing. time we meet, I'm gonna show you this. Squealing yeah. so high, it's like I don't have an Adam's apple. <laughs> yeah, I, I I screamed my I squealed my Adam's apple away for you. Yeah. I hope I hope you respect that. <laughs> One of my really bad first dates we went to the first friday art trail here in lubbock and uh i this was in high school and i wasn't really big into art i just i mean now i'd love to go look at stuff like that but in high school i was just like look i don't i don't want to do this yeah so we were walking around looking at all the art and stuff and i was looking at some of the uh uh the price tags on it and I kept saying the price is like, dude, like this is four hundred dollars, like this is crazy, or, like this is fifteen hundred dollars, that's crazy, all this stuff. Well, she snapped, turned around, and was like, quit. She said, quit talking about the price tag and just enjoy the art. And I was just kind of sat there and I was like, I was like, oh, I was like, my bad, like I didn't, I didn't know I was, uh, you know, crossing the line talking about price tags. So you know, reasonably so, I uh, I decided to talk about another price tag just just do it as a joke you know just kind of make fun of it so you know i'm kind of going haven't said a word since it's kind of really awkward so i'm like i'm gonna break the tension i'm like wow that's five thousand dollars that's crazy she turns around storms out she says i'm done and she said take me home (laughs) so she goes gets in my car well no she's like trying to open the door i'm not unlocking it and so finally whenever i walk up to the car unlock it she gets in and i'm just like look like i'm sorry like i just i didn't know how to break the tension she's like no like i'm I'm done like i just want to go home i I don't want to be here anymore continue to take her to my house where her car is uh get out and she's like are your parents home i said yeah she's like oh i want to say hi to them i was like what i was like okay so we walk in uh, it's my sister, Alyssa, Drew, and my mom and dad. And so we go in, we start talking, whatever. Well, then she decides to call me out in front of my entire family. Or not entire, but in front of my family. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, yeah, Luke uh, Luke did not show me a good night tonight. All this stuff. She's like, he didn't take me to dinner. He kept talking about price tags. All, like, in front of my family, my mom was just laughing. Like, oh, my dad left because he was really uncomfortable. And Alyssa was just sitting there laughing. Well... Uh, eventually I was just like well look like you can leave <laughs> I was like you don't have to be here anymore like you can just leave if you want so she did and uh, never went on a date with her again and, and now she's actually married so R.I.P. to that guy <laughs> but some girls know what they want some girls know what they want a little too much and it just it, it happened to uh to backfire on me and I was like wow this is uh, I bet he doesn't talk about price tags no I bet I bet he does not I bet he says yes ma'am and no ma'am to her actually <laughs> and I bet he just is very uh, you know submissive cause she is very dominant <laughs> it was just uh, yeah we butted heads wasn't wasn't good 
but yeah, the first dates that was that was really rough. That was I I I I, I didn't like that one. I did not like that. It, it just made me feel really uncomfortable. I've uh, I've seen I've seen a dude. I don't know if it was the first date or if there was the, their tenth, but I've seen a dude pass out with a girl. Like he literally just was standing in line waiting to order food, and he just passed out. Really? Yeah, you know, just <laughs> just fell down. Well, she, she just looked at him. She didn't know what to do. People came over and like tended to him, but it was really it was hilarious. Do you remember that dude that we saw at Six Flags that was on a date with his girlfriend, and they did the slingshot that you have to pay for? And he uh, peed himself. Did he really? Do you not remember this? No. Yeah, he peed on uh, our band director, Mr. Parrish. Oh, okay, when he, yes, When he yes. flew over him. And when they got off, he was... She was like, did you pee? He was like, yeah. And they left. Yeah. That's, uh... Man. Hmm. In jeans. <laughs> In jeans. He peed through his jeans? Yeah. Oh, that's rough. That That was probably a really uncomfortable ride home. Yeah. Uh, For multiple reasons. How do you come back from that? You don't. You, yeah. you don't, yeah. You punt. <laughs> you punt. Yeah. You just give up. Yeah, you're just like, I'm done. I'm throwing in the full I'm throwing in the towel. Yeah, I can't do it. Oh man, that would be really bad. Man. Well hopefully I mean it's crazy because I, I don't think that I uh I don't think I'm done with first date, so I really hope that like I don't have a bad one. Anytime soon You never know You never know I know And it's just You have to be very careful Hmm <laughs> I don't like that It's creepy But It is what it is Um So moving on From first dates But there is a uh, Topic that you were very Adamant about And uh It's aliens you uh, you introduced me to aliens, and um, the it's topic. the top. Well, you <laughs> yeah the, yes the topic aliens. You didn't introduce me to an actual alien life form. It'd be really cool if you did though. Anyways, Brett, do you want to blow LCU's um, mind the un- LCU universe's mind with uh, what you know about aliens? Uh, well, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean. I don't know if I have anything that's uh, mind blowing. I think there's about to be a bunch of stuff that comes out in the next month or so. Um, you know, the uh, United States government just formed that UAP. So they quit calling them UFOs. They call them UAP now. So it's unidentified aerial phenomenons or hmm. uh, SOP, or SAP, which is a submerged, or uh, what would you call that? SOP? An unidentified submerged phenomenon? Yeah. USP? USP, yeah. Sorry, I can't get my acronym straight. Um, But, uh, so, what the government is doing right now is all all of, everything that's happened with UFOs, true or untrue, how much, but uh, they're they're put in these special access programs, and they're basically, so this is the same type program that we developed a nuclear bomb on. So, Eisenhower finds out about the, or is it Truman? Whichever president finds out about the, nuclear uh program when we need to drop bombs he's not allowed to know that information beforehand mm-hmm. so special access need to know so this is top level people in the pentagon and basically uh, what happens is when these u.s presidents go and reach out 
to the government to learn about UFOs, they say that either A, there's nothing, or they say that they don't, that's need to know, and they're not allowed to have access to that program. Literally, like two days ago, Obama was talking about this. He was uh, interviewed by uh, Colbert, and he's, he was talking about UFOs, and, you know, it's funny that the biggest conspiracy we used to have was crash sites, you know, and now we have all this other drama around elections and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, but he talks about the the real struggle with getting information out of these special access programs. But what's happening now is, is that you're having Congress forming these these task force that are going in and basically doing their own research. So they may not have access to your top level government programs, right. but it's something that can report to Congress and can report to the public. Yeah. So you basically have an arm of the government searching for its other arm and, uh, what they'll find, I bet it's a lot less than we hope for. Like, I bet it's not, hey, we have we have bodies. We have alien bodies from mm-hmm. Roswell. I would just be shocked if, if there's that much. If something can get here, transverse space and time to get here, then I just would be shocked if there's hundreds of them crashing and, you know. Mm-hmm. But there's some really valuable or uh, really valid information, stuff that I think, you know, you have in 2016 the U.S. Uh, you have the Pentagon basically release these two UFO uh, um, videos. I think in the next month to year you're going to continue to see those efforts come from leaks within the government of here's what we have, here's what we know, and and what they call the disclosure of the UFO phenomenon. Um, I I don't think I just don't think we have enough answers, and I think that's why it's been buried for so long is because there's parts of it that we know are real. But it's so far beyond our capability to understand, let alone reverse engineer, that that's why the government won't acknowledge any of it. Yeah. Um, I think that's something that it, it kind of trips me out, though, is why uh, it's so almost almost kind of like thrown under the rug. You know, it's just it's something that people don't talk about and they don't want to talk about it. You know, even when the president says that, hey, like I want to. I want to see what this is all about. You know, they say, ah, like, there's nothing there. Or they just say, mm, like, nah. And there's been a large effort inside the government to do that. Um, You know, Roswell happens. So you think of it, so you have the 1940s. We just developed nuclear weapons. That's what the big argument here is, is these things start showing up once we have nuclear capabilities. Right. Uh, Once we have the ability to blow ourselves up or other people up, basically. And so... So you have this this time period that starts. And so when Roswell happens, there's not really a protocol for any of this. I don't even know if the CIA's been founded yet. Uh, in I think it's 1947 when Roswell happened. Anyways, so it happens, and the next day, the military personnel says, we have a crashed UFO. We have all this stuff. We went and found all this stuff. And then two days later, the Air Force comes out and says it was a weather balloon. Yeah. So the reason that happened was because there was no... There was no hush policy in effect yet. Yeah. So they they just announced it to the public. And Mm -hmm. then you have this systematic um, reversal of their whole approach to the UFOs. And it's about this didn't happen. And it's basically been about burying it. And I understand from their side, if these things have been around for thousands of years and there's very little interaction with humans, then why not just keep denying it until you figure it out? Right. I don't think we'll get there anytime soon. I mean, just think if this thing's... A thousand years ahead of us, if you showed somebody a hundred years ago this setup in here, it would be beyond them to even reverse engineer. 
mm-hmm. you add a thousand or a million years, whatever they've got, uh, or if this is like a space travel, you know, a future type thing, you're just not going to be able to uh, reverse engineer it. It's going to take millenniums to do that. I think the thing that I think about is, um, you know, obviously in the 40s is whenever uh, I feel like the U.S. kind of started the uh, the alien talk. I feel like that's when, it, you know, with Roswell and then um, with different sightings, I guess. I feel like that's whenever the, the 40s is kind of whenever it started. But I feel like if you trace it back, I mean, way, way like ancient days, I mean, I, there's... There's what are they? Uh, what do you call those on the cave walls? Those drawings. Hieroglyphics. Yeah, like there's yeah. stuff of of like extraterrestrial life, like written on those on the inside those caves and on those rocks. I mean, obviously they could have been tripping out on something that they smoked. I I mean I have no idea, but it's just it, it's weird that, you know, it's it hasn't changed a lot, you know, from what these people are saying that they saw. What, yeah. uh, on these pictures and then you know what people are saying they see now i feel like that's just really trippy it's just something that you're kind of like mm. i mean i guess i guess if nowadays you could be like oh well let's 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 go back and look at the history of all of this and make sure that we keep it close to the books so that people don't think that we're just you know hoax and stuff but i don't know man it's just it, it's weird that even back then they were you know basically saying that they were seeing stuff that they just I mean, it was beyond them, you know? Yeah. So what, what do you think aliens look like? I have no idea. I mean, uh, one of the arguments is if, if they look like us, mm-hmm. bipedal, walk on two legs, big eyes, one of the arguments is, is that they're us from the future, that it is an evolution of us. I mean, you think if there's a different planet, different uh, rules to that planet, not necessarily different physics, but why would that animal, I mean, look at an octopus, how different it looks to us. Why would this species on another planet bipedal i mean mm-hmm. in the, about the same i mean they're supposedly shorter than us but i think if, if they do look like that then there would be a strong argument that this is uh there's a there's a new study call that uh came out uh it, it was on the main headlines they're talking about how they figured out these that uh, what do they call it it's a, a localized time loop time manipulated loop basically what it is is that if you were to go go back in time and you were going to go kill Agent Zero of COVID and stop the outbreak, mm-hmm. that how time works is is that it, the outbreak would, would still happen, so you would have a localized change. So maybe you would stop it, but then you'd become Agent, you'd become Patient Zero. So, like, you can't actually change the past, but you can locally change it. So it's malleable. So, you know, I can destroy, I can, you know, I can do stuff to this room or whatever, but it's not going to really, like if, if world war three happens, you can't change it. Like it, it, it happens and you can go back in time. You can kill quote unquote Hitler, but then there would just, maybe we have, if these guys are time travelers, maybe they did go back, kill Hitler and realize that, Oh, this other guy became Hitler. And, and so it's this idea of it, if that, if those closed time loops are real, then what it means is, is that there's no real worry of time travel. So if I'm a thousand years in the future, and I can go backwards in time, uh, why not? Like, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, because I, I can go document, I can go learn things about us. Who, who knows if you can take resources back with you? Who knows? But if, if you can't really affect the trajectory of all of us, um, then why not just, you know, you kind of just leave us alone, which is kind of, it seems that they do. Yeah, there's no point. Yeah. It? There's some things with the, I mean, 
over the nuclear bases, I you know they, there's been times where they've shut stuff down uh, or they've they've screwed with military bases that, that uh, hold nuclear missiles, but you that, said the alien like what what did they do? Shut them off, made them inoperable. So like they and they have the military has no explanation of why you know their systems no. went down or anything. This is why they don't talk about it. Mm. But uh, I, Harry Reid talked about this the other day. I can. I can send you a link to it. Uh, Harry Reid used to be a senator. Uh, his last term was recently. But he was the one that started OSAP, which was the program that was studying UAPs right. uh, for the Pentagon, which is who Luis Elizondo worked for. But, uh, you know, if you look at that, I, I think the argument can be made for either extraterrestrial or or what they call ultra-terrestrial, which would be something phasing into our reality from a different reality or future. Uh, but I don't, you know, like the Nimitz in 2014, which people don't know, that's kind of what broke all this open. That's the pilot that sh- uh, shot the Tic Tac around. Yeah. And on the East Coast, they have the uh, the gimbal video. Both of those, they say they tracked all the way over to the Gulf. So these things were actively monitoring, interacting with our military and seeing what we do. That sounds like something that's not from here. Yeah. It's, you know sightseeing whatever you want to say but they want to know how we work they they keep tabs on our military over multiple years mm-hmm. they've done it uh, on that on that tic tac one on the nimitz it actually was it flew to his cap point was waiting on him so it had some ability to hack them i mean it had some ability to to uh not only jam their signal but still their coordinates from them so there's a lot of really interesting things tactically that went into that that I don't know why, you know, let's say it's a secret military program. Why are you harassing your own F-16s? Mm-hmm. makes no business. Like, I don't see the purpose of that. Um, but, it, I mean, it could be. I, I just, I, I have a hard time thinking that we have anti-gravity. That's, um, I don't know, man. That's that, that. That's really, it's it's sketchy, though, that, uh, that whatever this is, um, is shutting down our operations. I feel like, uh, and and they don't think that it's it's anything. They don't think it's like Russia or anything, or China or North Korea. Well, I think that's why the uh, the thing got so much attention, because it has to be addressed when they're doing that stuff. Right. Yeah, I just uh, that that it's it's something that I mean, that's the argument you can make with all of this. You know, is that it's 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 something that isn't a part of the U.S. and it's it's foreign. You know, obviously it's going to be foreign whether it's a different country or whether it's out of this world. But I just, I don't know. I, I, I feel like uh, it's, it's just weird how uh, the U.S. doesn't have that kind of technology. So then how, how would somewhere else be able to acquire that technology? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I think that's, well, and the other thing is you're, you're talking about past events. You know, uh, the Tic Tac, there's stuff. There's descriptions of a, a similar vehicle in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Yeah. So this is a, a technology that's been here longer than our our jet propulsion systems. So, uh, you know, I mean, we were on propel, propeller planes when these first sightings of these things. I mean, yeah. the Wright brothers, I mean, if you look, go back to some of the old ones, the Wright brothers weren't even flying yet when we saw some of these. So the technology's old. I mean, that's the crazy thing about it. It's not that you see it now, because now I could say, okay, this is some secret. But the fact that 20 years ago, it 
in 2004, three years after 9-11, it's interacting. I mean, think of that, three years after 9-11, and this thing is harassing fighter pilots off the, the East Coast. Like, mm-hmm. we're, we're at war. Like, why would you be doing that if you're U.S.? Right. And, and two, why would this, why would, you know, if Russia has it, why, why haven't you taken over the world? Like, right, you know yeah, mean? yeah. This is a game changer. It is. I, uh, I think it's something that, you know, obviously the, the government won't release it just because it's something that would alter the minds of every person in this world. I mean, if, if, if it comes, you know, if this comes to the surface and you're like, oh, wow, like there is a life form out there that can skip light years to get to us. Mm-hmm. You know, people are going to sit there and, you know, obviously some people who just don't even know anything about that and don't ever think twice about it, they're like, oh, wow, that's crazy. But the second that they figure out details about that kind of life form, I mean, it's going to alter their their thinking of everything. You know, they're going to sit there and be like, "What? Like, are you? Like, why? What are we doing? You know, people are probably going to question their their reasoning of their existence. They're going to be like, "What? Then why do we? Why are we even here? Like, if if there's a life form that can do this, then why do we matter? Why are we even here anymore?" Yeah, it'll it'll definitely. Uh... It'll definitely, well, I mean, not everyone will have issues with this. I pull a lot of people. I think if there's intelligent life out there outside of us, I don't think it it's going to destroy everybody's reality, but some people it will. Um, it, I mean, it's just a, you know, you just think from like a Christian standpoint, what does it mean to have another uh, conscious being yeah. of our level of, you know, our level of consciousness, you know? Does, does that mean that the sacrifice of Christ is translinear and it covers them as well? Does, are they like angels and they're not allowed? You know, they don't yeah. They don't get the same redemption arc that we get. Right. Um, but, there, I mean, I, I growing up would have really had a hard time with this because uh, so much of the meta narrative we, we've built around ourselves and that we're the focal point of this redemption arc. Um, but I don't, you know... Uh, I mean, you think some of the crazy things in Revelation, some of the crazy creatures that have uh, the seraphim, eyes, yeah, yeah. eyes on the wings and stuff. Yeah, there's stuff that like we don't understand that's yeah. out there, and it's not the Bible never really says that we're this only piece of meat flying on this rock through space and time. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think about like the pyramid, the pyramids and aliens and stuff? It's the wonders of the world. Yeah, yeah, I know. I think I think there's some. Uh, I mean, I think all of that plays in nicely. If let's say if there are visitations now, and if and if these things have been here for thousands of years, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that plays in nicely um, to that. And also, it, it helps with a lot of. So I'll, I'll give a great example. So have y'all ever heard of Fatima? It happened in 1917. So this is in Fatima, Portugal. These three little kids go out and see an apparition of the Mother Mary. Uh, but only one of them can see it. They go back. They go back the next week, and they basically rile the town up to where they're told not to go out there to quit espousing this stuff. And the, the Catholic Church actually sends two um, sends two priests out there to debunk the thing. So and, like, they're, like this kid saying they see like a like the actual Mary. Like, yeah, Mary's talking to him. Like in the in in the flesh. They're going to this point and praying to her. So hmm. so they. So what happens is there's about a this this blows up into a thing. They keep going back, 
And this final Sunday, when they say they prophesy beforehand, there's going to be this sign. And 100,000 witnesses, I mean, think of that, 100,000, you can see pictures of this, of all these people freaked out that were there that day. Mm-hmm. Um, but they say that the sun plummeted towards Earth. Like, think how terrifying that is. If you're just standing there and all of a sudden the sun just starts moving, it looks like the Earth's just spiraling into it. Yeah. Seconds to live. Uh, and everybody, like, freaked out, and then it turned into some... There's a lot of different versions, but it, it turned into some type of metallic disc, and then, you know, everything just kind of went back to normal. Um, but you have 100,000 witnesses. You have you have priests of the Catholic Church that are there to debunk it that are now confirming it as an actual miracle. So Fatima is something that the Catholic Church confirms as an actual miracle now. Hmm. When they were there to, like, tell these kids to chill out. So if you think of that from uh, a, a Church of Christ perspective— of an apparition, like I always had trouble with that. Or if I'd see a Mother Mary eyes bleeding, there would be this feeling of, you know, if if the Catholic Church is valid, like if this if this is a miracle within the Catholic Church, then it validates the Catholic Church. Like right. In some ways it does. Yeah. Right. Because God is present and active within the church. Um, but if, if you look at it from a standpoint of there are things that appear supernatural or maybe even are supernatural, um, but we're in a greater ecosystem than we thought we were. I, mm-hmm. I have a lot easier time with that. So I, I don't have, I don't go through an issue of, oh, Fatima happened, so I got to convert to Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Like, I think a lot of this more as um, there is a world that we do not understand that we need to be humbled by. I think, I think. Uh, atheism has been crushed and destroyed. I, I don't. I mean, there's just too many things unexplainable that you have to explain away, and it's just not going to work. It's not science. Yeah. Well, it's it's just uh, there's just more to this reality than nuts and bolts. And in a in a system that only looks at the nuts and bolts is never going to be able to get any further past that. But uh, but you have these these times where you have you know, within the last hundred years, hundred thousand people claiming this miracle happened in front of them. Right. And uh, so, I don't know. I think that stuff's fun. You can do these deep dives that really humble you and make you realize that, like, there is a world greater than what I'm going through. Right. And that there are supernatural things. There are miracles. There are supernatural events that you can actually go take and chew on, but don't have to be overwhelmed by because this world is much more mysterious than I think I realized four years ago. So you said with the Fatima stuff, there's a lot, you said that there's a lot of different versions. What, what, what do you mean by that? Cause as someone like as someone who would be skeptical, you know, someone who's very skeptic would look for the same story and the same pattern. And if they don't get that, then they're going to be like, well, then it's just a bunch of, you know, yeah, and this fairy tales, se- I guess. Well, and that seems to be the uh, that seems to be something that ha- I mean, this is something that they even have looked into the UFO phenomenon that they will have a singular experience and multiple eyewitness accounts that are extremely different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you think of the Old Testament, and what you basically have is you have somebody that doesn't understand what's going on trying to explain it. So you have like anthropomorphic language, where they'll say the hand of God, and it doesn't mean God is an actual hand. It means that they're building, they're trying the best of their understanding to explain what they're seeing. Right. I think when you see stuff you don't understand, you get a very broad, uh, 
you get a very broad scope of what people are going to say it was, what it did. Mm-hmm. So some people say it was the sun that fell towards Earth. Other people say it was the disk that shot towards Earth. Was it one being in front of the other? Was it the fact that you're staring at the sun and all this screws up your vision? Yeah. Um, and then the the fourth part of it is is that some of this may be happening at a conscious level to where what you're seeing – so they talk about like these blue shifts that sometimes they'll see these, these uh, UFOs do where yeah. they see a blue light below it. Yeah. But if you're actually like warping space and time, then basically you will have a blue shift where the light – basically from uh, a dimension to low gets shifted up and turns blue so you right. can see it. But that can be a different experience depending on where you are and how, I mean, you cannot see the blue from some areas and in other areas all, all you see is blue. And other times it looks distorted because space-time around it's distorted. Um, so there's a lot of things at play that can affect a broad um Testimony. I mean, and it's weird, but that, this is a very consistent thing where you have people see the same thing but see different things. So, do you think that's maybe how Revelation is? Whenever they talk about all of these creatures and and angels, you know, you're this person is trying to explain something that they've they don't understand at all. You know, yeah. they they have no education about it other than what they have seen do you think that you know some of what they some of what is in revelation is just based off of you know i guess one being terrified and just trying to see like what you're like just trying to explain to someone like what i'm seeing or yeah it depends uh revelation is an interesting book because you can i mean a lot of people think john was writing code for the first century church Mm -hmm. so some of it is going to be a different um, I mean, you're going to get a lot of apocalyptic type issues where, you know, somebody's going to look at eschatology and say, oh, yeah, all this happens and, and, and you know, treat it like a textbook. Right. Say A, B, C, D, E, F, G happens. Yeah. And then the other one uh, is that this is Paul, you know, when he talks about the harlot, he's talking about uh, Ephesus and he's talking about the... Um, the whatever one of the um, uh, original wonders of the world was there that that temple in Ephesus to yeah that. is it Athena whoever it is but there's stuff when it talks about her and you know the dragon falling on the head like a lot of people think a lot, or the baby falling on the dragon's head however that story goes but I mean a lot of that is symbolism so that because basically I think it's John is in exile on the Isle of Patmos so everything that he was sending out was getting read. Mm-hmm. So a lot of his stuff is extremely symbolic because of that. So, I mean, this this could be a huge stretch, but you know, we talked about how everyone, you know, says and anyone who's seen um, a UFO or has been presented or one has been presented to them, they all have a different story. <clears throat> um, this could be a stretch, but. Do you think that that would be that life form altering our thoughts because they are so far, they're so far ahead of us that they know as a culture, if one story is different from another, from another, people will start to question everything and be like, mm, I don't know about that. That does not sound right. Yeah. So therefore this life form is like, look, we're going to, we're going to appear. Just make some random appearances. Well, we're just going to appear to these people, but they're going to have different perceptions of what we are 
it's almost like uh, the Tower of Babel. You know, you're sitting there, and you know you're uh, you're building this tower, and next thing you know, you're all speaking different languages, and you can't do it anymore. You're just like, oh well, like we can't even communicate. Well, it's or, almost kind of like or a, Pentecost, where he's speaking and everybody hears it in their own language. Yeah. So it's just yeah. So like, I mean, this could be a stretch, but like, what if this life form is so advanced and so far ahead of us that they're saying like, look, like the way we're going to throw these people off is by like everyone is going to tell a different story of what they saw. I mean, maybe some will be similar to others, whatever, but for the most part, you're just going to have different stories, different outlooks to the point where people just be like, no, that's, that can't be real. Like no one's story adds up, you know, now, that, that could be a stretch, but I feel like it makes, makes sense. Yeah. C.S. Lewis has a, uh, a line in the great divorce where he says all answers deceive. Mm-hmm. And I really like that because regardless of how much of this is extraterrestrial or God, um, it is beyond us. Yeah. And especially if we're talking, so I think of, oh man, I can't remember the, the guy who talking donkey, he's riding his donkey. Donkey sees the thing in the road that he can't see. Yeah. Beats the tar out of the donkey. And then the donkey starts speaking to him. And then I don't know if the donkey dies or not, but, uh, so you have, you have a spiritual re- in that story. You have a spiritual reality, spiritual ecosystem. You also have a man who, can, it can be blocked consciously from him. But the dog, donkey can see it. Then you think of like that communication. Like, I, I mean, I don't, I'm pretty sure the donkey. I mean, it could have, but I'm pretty sure the donkey didn't develop a bunch of extra muscles in its lips and mm-hmm. actually start talking like yeah. telepathic at some level. Right. So you have a lot of things, and then I think the reality becomes aware to him of like this thing that was standing in the road or whatever. Right. So. I take that for a couple. So C.S. Lewis's deal is is the answers to see it. Like we're finite beings inside this finite reality, so any explanation we give will be a finite explanation. And if these things are operating outside of that, that means no matter what we think it is, it's probably wrong. Right. Because our, you know, you know, if if it can if it can affect us consciously, if it can telepathically keep him from seeing this other world and then allow him to see it and 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 be able to dictate that mm-hmm. then yeah everything you're saying is totally feasible because that's a great example of all of that happening in one instance right i think uh so this guy this guy wrote this poem and i think i've showed it to you but it's called without a shadow of a doubt and it basically this guy writes this poem like he's talking to god and he's uh it's, it's really cool because the first half of this poem, he's speaking from his side, you know, like, God, like, why, why don't you show yourself? Why am I struggling? Whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the other half is, is he takes the uh, viewpoint of God. So he's kind of talking from God's um, point of view. And one thing that he said in the last half of this uh, poem is he says, look, like, my child, although you have all the right questions, you will never have the right answers. You will never have all of the right answers. And I think that, I mean, whether people are religious or not, that's something that you can just take and apply it to your life. Like you may have all of the right questions about the right topics, but you're going to have to deal with the fact that you may never have all of the right answers just presented to you. Yeah. No. Now, I mean, if we take it away from the spiritual aspect there may be a way we could find the right answers in instances like UFOs and stuff. I don't think we can. Well, you know, you even talk, Paul, you know, you're talking about, you'll never have the right answers. Even Paul talks about the mystery of Christ. Like he didn't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. He talks about that. He talks about 
I don't really understand all of this. Right. Like, some of this is above my pay grade. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, I mean, that means a lot of things for me about scripture and its point, because there's a mystery to this that, I mean, God's pretty clear. You know, I always say the only time Christ wrote was in the sand. Yeah. And uh, he's not going to get pinned down by stuff. And uh, this seems to be, um, I mean, this seems to be something that's really poignant today because people are so polarizing in their viewpoints and unrelenting in them. Right. And to have the humility to say that not only may I not have the right answer, but mm-hmm. I know I don't. Right. Because to a certain extent, this is beyond my finite brain to be able to comprehend. So right. like, there's going to be a, there's going to be parts of it that aren't ever going to fully click. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I also think that with the best of your ability, with the faculties God's given you, you need to seek, I mean, seek my name and you will find it. So I think there's twofold. I, I don't think it's a pointless endeavor, but it's also something to where you'll never complete. You'll never finish. You'll never, uh, you'll never, I mean, at some point, this is what I think faith is, is not the idea of I blindly accept things, but but faith in that I am a small, finite being here for 70, 80 years. Mm-hmm. I'm going to understand very little, and I'm going to misunderstand a lot. Right. And to live in that humility and to to not burn bridges, go to war with people. Right. Um, which is, you know, you know, or if you go back... A couple hundred years burn people <laughs> yeah. for disobeying with you. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's something that, as a human race, we will never be able to do because we're 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 constantly in war. You know, we're never gonna be able to just live in peace, um, which sucks. But hey, you know that's that's kind of where we are. You know, that you gotta accept it as it is. Would be very different. It'd be very different. It'd be, yeah, it would be. It'd be it'd be very different. But you know. It's not how it works. Unfortunately, we don't have that uh, luxury to live like that. Um, but hey, we've uh, we've ran out of time. But Brett, we do thank you for coming today. Um, you've uh, you've definitely brought a lot of uh, education to uh, today. You know, on uh, you know aliens and, and and also like different perspectives we can take to look at. Uh, I mean, not just aliens, but I mean a lot of things. Yeah, I didn't know about Fatima. Oh, yeah. Highly recommend Googling. Our Lady Fatima is what it is. But there's actual photos of all the people out there. And when you see that, you're like, these guys had to have seen something. There's 100,000 of them. Yeah. yeah. Well, not only that, but, I mean, what, it'd be something we'd have to get into a, a, another time because uh, and we just don't have time to talk about it. But uh, that Africa, that African tribe. Oh, yeah, Zimbabwe? That, yeah, that, those uh, missionaries went to. Yeah, that's, I recommend all, almost everything we're talking about. If you go watch the Phenomenon it's a new uh, documentary on UFOs. Uh, came out a month ago. Uh, it's called the phenomenon. The phenomenon. The phenomenon. If you just watch phenomenon, that's with John Travolta. <laughs> okay, so the phenomenon. Yeah. Okay, we don't want John Travolta, so we'll be sure not to watch that one. But um, yeah, thanks again, Brett, for being here today, man. We yeah, really appreciate it. Um, Wrigley, you want to leave the people with anything? Hey, man, have a good uh, finals week. Keep working it. Keep working it. Keep working it, yeah. Everyone, good luck on the finals. Hope you do well. Um, hopefully, we'll be back uh, next Wednesday, Lord willing. Um, so, uh, if, if we are, make sure you tune in. We'll let you know on our social media. So Tune in tomorrow at 1 
for Luke and I's sports show. There you go. So, Brett, thank you again for being here, man. We really appreciate it. Um, hope we hope you all have a good rest of the day. And uh, Lord willing, we'll uh, see you next Wednesday. So, uh, you'll stay tuned here on 99.1 Shep Radio. Let's go.